Welcome to Woodland Church. Here is today's message. Well, guys, before we turn our attention to the Word, I'm going to ask for you to join me in prayer this morning. Uh, I spent some time on the phone with uh, one of our ladies who attends here, her and her husband, uh, but Maggie Weaver, her mother passed away on Friday evening, and uh, I was able to talk with her this morning, but I thought, you know what, as a church family, we should be praying. Uh, Maggie is out in Las Vegas right now with her family, and uh, Maggie and Jerry won't be coming back up here till probably about May, because they're kind of snowbirds right now, but let's be uh, praying for Maggie and for this time with their family. Father, we just come to you this morning, Lord. Father, I just want to lift up Maggie and Jerry, and Lord, their, her siblings, and her family before you, Lord. Father, I do ask for comfort through your Holy Spirit upon her life. Lord, Lord, just bring comfort to the family, Lord. Help them to just to grieve as they need to grieve, Lord. Help them to just communicate clearly as they have to be making arrangements at this time. But Lord, we just lift up Maggie to you, Lord. Father, we... Uh, we just thank you for her. But Lord, bring her comfort. Lord, bring her peace in this season. Father, we lift up our sister to you. We trust for your hand to be upon her. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for praying. Before we get into the message, I do got a couple more announcements. One of them is the uh, idea of us going to two services. So I had mentioned this probably back in October. We had started talking about, hey, you know, as we have been continuously growing, we are still continuously growing weekly and monthly, and we are just trying to be figuring out, okay, what does this look like as a church here? Um, with our college students coming back, it's going to start feeling a little bit more cramped, but I noticed the front row here is still open, just... Uh, point that one out here. We still got a little bit of space up here. If anyone wants to come to the front, you are more than welcome to. But how do we go to two services? And as we are, have been looking as a church, I think that there is a couple of things that we want to be keeping at our forefront. We don't want to go to two services just for the sake of going to two services. But the goal of this church and the goal of any church, it should be to see men and women coming to faith in Jesus. And the goal is, is just how do we make room for that to be taking place? Now, I believe God is at work, not just here on Sunday mornings, um, but throughout our lives, throughout the entire week here. But it's figuring out, what does this look like? How do we, how do we continuously become welcoming? How do we continuously have room for men and women to get connected to His kingdom through Woodland Church? And so, for us to be able to kind of make that jump to two services, there is a lot of things that would have to be taking place. Uh, one of the biggest things and biggest needs, and this is throughout all churches, this isn't just our church, it's not like our church has this own dilemma here, but the fact is, is for, for churches to continue to be growing, continue to be expanding, we have to figure out how do we develop leaders. Um, right now, we have got a lot of people that work extensively, weekly, a lot, just to be making one service happen. And for us to go to two services, 
we need more leaders. And that's, that's just the plain fact of it here. Now, I'm not saying that because I'm begging you guys, okay, you know, but if you are interested in figuring out, hey, pastor, I'm, this is my church. I love, I love what the Lord is doing here. I want to become a part of that. We have got some, some different areas that we are going to be needing, be needing help with. And I share this because if we're not ready to go to two services, that's okay too. Like I'm not, I'm not like saying this like has to be happening, but for it to be happening, uh, we've got some different areas. So we've got some some different clipboards in uh, at the at the coffee bar. If you're like saying, "Hey, Pastor, I want to be serving. I want to be figuring this one out here with you guys." Check out the coffee bar after service and uh, sign up. We'd love to to uh, figure out what that looks like here. Is my mic getting like a lot of feedback? Is it? It sounds terrible. Yeah, Mitch, what are you doing back there, buddy? What's going on? What's going on here? Uh-oh, my wife just walked to the back. She's, she's coming after you here, Mitch. I'm sorry that the mic sounds awful. We will, I don't know. What do we do here? Handheld? Was the handheld better? We just push on through? All right, well, let's just push on through. And you guys are going to have to just deal with terrible sound until Mitch figures this one out. He will. But, well, we are in a series right now on prayer. And I want us to continue to be talking about prayer and what is prayer in our lives. Last week, we looked at 1 John chapter 1, and we talked about this idea of confessing our sins. 1 John 1, 9 through 10 says this, If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. We talked last week on how when we come to the Lord in prayer, how do we become comfortable with this idea and this action of us confessing our sins before the Lord? It is a... It is a spiritual practice that I think is lacking within so many people's lives. Is that, and you know, we talk often about how our culture lives in this world of like, you know, everyone's good, like, you know, like don't worry about sin. Sin doesn't really exist here. But as believers, how do we live this out? Because scripture here says, if we confess our sins, there's an if there. He is faithful and just to forgive us. And I just shared that last week because I think that when we go to the Lord in prayer, it is an amazing practice for us to be confessing our sins before our King. Well, this week, we are going to be turning to Psalm 95. If you have your Bibles with you this week, we're going to turn to Psalms 95, and we're going to continue to talk about this aspect of, of prayer this morning. So please turn with me and stand as we read Psalm 95 together here. I believe that this psalm has something to be teaching us today. Psalm 95 says this. It says, "Oh come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with song and praise. For the Lord is a great God 
and a great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth, and the height of the mountains are also are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hand formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as they did at Meribah as on the day of Massa in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to proof, though they had seen my work. For 40 years I loathed that generation and said they are a people who go astray in their heart and they, do not, and they have not known my ways. Therefore I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. Let us pray. Father, as we look to this psalm today, as we look to your word, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would do a work on our hearts and on our minds. Father, I desire to see us always walk in your ways, to be obedient to you. Father, come and minister to us, speak to us today through your word. And I ask this now in Jesus' name, amen. You guys may be seated this morning. So, I want to break this psalm down for us today because I believe we can learn an aspect of prayer that maybe we have never thought about before. I think for a lot of people, prayer, and when you hear the word prayer, it's this idea of sitting, folding one's hands, and being quiet, or maybe asking the Lord for things that you need in your life. I just think a lot of people, just when they think of just prayer, they're just like, okay, it's, it's me sitting, and it's, it's this like posture. And I share that because I think when we look to here, when we look to this psalm, I think that this psalmist expands our thinking when it comes to prayer. And I say that specifically because the psalmist here, he's going to, to, to teach us how we approach the Lord. The psalm opens up in Psalm 95, 1 through 2. We're going to just be going through it this morning here. He says this. He says, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into His presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to Him with the song, with, with songs of praise. The psalmist opens up with this invitation to God's people. O come to the Lord. O enter into His presence. And this psalm is actually titled, if, if your Bible has titles of the different psalms, it's actually titled, Let Us Sing Songs of Praise. Scholars believe that this psalm would have been used regularly at different festivals during, the, during this time within the Jewish people, within God's people. When they would gather at the temple, this would have been one of the songs that they would have been singing and declaring to the Lord. Now, there's not 
uh, exact parallel between God's people then and then us today. And what I mean by that is that, you know, back then the people, they would gather and they would go to the temple and it would be very, very similar to how we do church today. We gather as God's people. There's usually some declaration of who our God is. There would be a reading of Scripture at this time. There would have been prayer. But it was this time of God's people coming in to God's presence. See, at this time, the temple was where God's presence was. And that's a whole other sermon and sermon series about how the Holy Spirit worked back then and what is happening today. But I'm not going to, I've already confused enough of you probably with those words. But we have this invitation that this psalmist is leading us to. He is asking God's people, I want you to come into the presence of the Lord. And I share that because when I think of prayer, what is prayer? Isn't prayer simply coming into the presence of God? You know, we, like what I said, we sometimes have these ideas of what prayer is and what prayer isn't. And, and I think sometimes we make a, a hard distinction between what is worship and what is prayer. That like, what happened this morning when we sang songs? Well, pastor, that is what I would call worship. That's not prayer. That's going to be separate than what prayer is. And it's like, well, when you look at God's Word, when you look at the Scriptures, it's, isn't prayer just entering into the presence of God? It's us coming to Him. And the psalmist here has this invitation to us. It says, come into the presence of God. Verse 2, he literally says, let us come into His presence. And here he speaks about us making a joyful noise to the Lord. If you have been in church for a while, you have probably heard that phrase, make a joyful noise to the Lord. If anyone has ever said that to you, it's because you have no ability to sing. Just let you know. Just uh, if someone said, hey, you were, you were making a joyful noise this morning. You should be internally processing that as this person doesn't believe I have a voice and I can sing. That's okay. People have said it to me. Okay, listen. It's okay. But I, I do love that, that it doesn't say make a perfect noise. Um, we all can't have wonderful voices. But it says when we come into God's presence, there is this idea of declaring who God is. To make a joyful noise before our Lord. And actually here in verse 2, the psalmist says, come with thanksgiving. That when we come into the presence of God, we should be coming in with this idea of giving thanks to the Lord. In fact, you can see this throughout all of Scriptures. First Chronicles 16, 34 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Let's jump to the New Testament. First Thessalonians 5.18 Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And then throughout Psalm, Psalm 107.1 Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Psalm 69.30 I will praise the name of God with song. I will magnify Him with thanksgiving. There is this teaching within Scripture that when God's people enter into His presence, it's, 
It is coming with thanksgiving. It's coming with declaring how great our God is and declaring the goodness of Him. And you can see that throughout all of the Psalms. Now, I could list a number of reasons, personal reasons, on why we should be giving thanks to God. I've seen God work within my life. I'm sure you have seen the Lord work within your life. If you just stop for a moment before you enter into God's presence, you could probably think of a list in your life. Lord, what am I thankful for before you? Who are you? How great are you? Well, the psalmist here lays it out. Let's look at verse 3 in Psalm 95. The psalmist says this, For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. He throws that, that, that lowercase gods in there. You guys may know this because I've preached on this multiple times, and if you are paying attention, hopefully you might at some Sunday possibly listen up. But one of them is I have talked endlessly about how the Old Testament God's people were constantly facing these people around them that had all of these other gods that they worshipped. The God of Baal and Ashtar and just all of these cultural gods that they had that were pressing in against them. And the psalmist here declares, our God is a great God. He's a great king. He's above all the other gods. The other gods that people want to bow down to, the gods of our culture, the psalmist says, our God is so great. He's a great king. He's above all of that. Verse 4, it says, In his hands are the depths of the earth. The height and the mountains are, also, are his also. The sea is his, for he made it. His hand formed the dry land. The psalmist says, simply look around and you will see the greatness of our God that we can declare Verse 6, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. The psalmist is reminding us this morning that when we come into the presence of God, there are so many things that we can be giving praise for. Simply just look around. Walk outside. I mean, we live in Marquette, right? Like, is, is it any more beautiful anywhere else? Sure, people might argue, you know, about this place. But we live here. I mean, literally just look around and we can declare how great our God is. You don't have to stand by the sea. Go stand by Lake Superior. And if you're struggling in giving praise and giving thanks, because we can't always, it's like, it's this idea of just coming and just giving this praise to God. Declaring it. And we can easily look at creation and say that. But what's the opposite of giving praise and giving thanks? Anyone? 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 What? What? complaining the psalmist warns us look at this warning this just continually goes on he starts off by saying come into his presence 
This is why. This is how great our God is. Look at the world around you. Declare His majesty and how wonderful and how great He is. And then He gives us this warning. Psalm 95, 7. It says, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day of Massa in the wilderness, when your Father has put me to the test and put me to the, to the proof, though they had seen my work. You might be asking yourselves this question. What is this psalmist talking about? What happened that day? Who, like, like, say, where are these places? Where is Meribah and Massa? Numbers 20 is where one of these stories takes place. Numbers 20, starting in verse 2. Now there was no water for the congregation. And they assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And the people quarreled with Moses and said, Would that we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord? Why have you brought the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness, that we should die here, both we and our cattle? And why have you made us come, out, come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is no place for grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. So I'm just going to give you a quick history lesson. God's people, at one point in time, were enslaved in Egypt. Okay? Joseph went down there. Eventually, God's people moved down there. They lived down there for 400 years. They wound up in slavery. God calls Moses. Moses, I want you to go down there, and you're going to lead my people out of there into the promised land. Well, this is God's people out of Egypt, and they run into a snag. They come to a place where they have no water. They're very, very nervous, which I don't know if you've ever been in the wilderness and ran out of water. It can be a devastating time. Like You're like, I need water to be living. Well, here, God's people, they come to this place, they have no water. But it's not just that they have no water. God's people completely forget who God is. I mean, utterly forget. They start complaining to the leaders. Moses, Aaron, you brought us to this evil place. Did you just bring us and our cattle out here to simply die? And they completely forget how their life was. They think, oh, if we could just be back down in Egypt. Well, when they were in, in Egypt, they were enslaved. Literally. This is, not a, this is not a figurative speech. They were literally enslaved by the Egyptians. And it was so terrible, the Egyptians put so much pressure on them, Pharaoh did, that, that they couldn't even accomplish the work that was expected for them to be doing. They lived a terrible life down in Egypt. And then all of a sudden, while they were brought up out of Egypt, reminding you, they saw the Red Sea split in two. They saw ten plagues come upon Egypt. They were in the wilderness and they saw God lead them by fire. They had seen God miraculously feed them every single day with a little thing called manna. Meaning every day they, they would wake up and food was like magically there. They would see this constantly. But they hit one snag, one hardship, and they turned. They turn instantly. 
They first turn on Aaron and Moses and says that they quarreled against them. They're upset. Moses, how could you do this to us? Moses, I can't believe we are here. And it's interesting that this psalmist uses this story to, sh- to give us this example. Because he starts off by saying, come into the presence of God. Come in with thanksgiving. And then he goes into, this is how great our God is. Look around, he created everything. You are his sheep. Like, just, just this is how great he is. And then he goes right into this warning. Let's, let's read that warning again. Today, Psalm 95, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Verse 9, when your fathers put me to the, put me to the, to the test and put me to, to proof, though they had seen my works. The psalmist gives us this warning, church. It says, do not go down this road. This road is a road of forgetting who God is. This road is a road of not just forgetting, but also complaining. And being so worked up, God, I can't even believe this is possibly taking place. And it's like they, they utterly forgot what the Lord had done for them thus far. And I share this because this warning, oh man, this warning is, do not let your hearts get hardened. Like, like, don't become bitter for what is happening in our lives. And like, I get it, church family. Like, sometimes our lives can become really, really hard. Devastating. Bad, like, terrible things. Death happens. Things fall apart. But when they do fall apart, there's this warning of not letting our hearts become hardened to Him. Because God's people, their hearts became hardened. And what happened? They wandered for 40 years. God's like, all right. Okay. You guys want to keep on grumbling? You want to keep on complaining? All right. This is only going to last longer for you. Now, I'm not saying that that's how God operates within our lives today. That, you know, if we have this one moment of grumbling in our lives where God's like, well, fine, you're just going to be in the wilderness for the next 40 years. But the psalmist gives us these words as a warning. I was saying, listen, don't let your heart become hardened because, because when it does, you won't have any rest. You're, you're, you will not be entering God's rest. I think it's so important for us, church, to stay thankful. To to stay declaring who our God is every single day. You may have days, you may have seasons where it, it can be tough to see the goodness of God. But to come back and say, Lord, I don't want my heart to become hardened towards you. Lord, keep me grateful. Keep me thankful before your presence. And when it comes to simply prayer, church, that's what I wanted to be challenging us with. Is that when we enter into God's presence, whether it would be Sunday morning singing out loud or Monday morning in your closet praying, that we come with a heart of thanks. Lord, I'm thankful. Just simply practice saying that. I, I do believe that we have to practice giving thanks. 
I don't think it always comes natural to us. You know, sometimes it's, you know, I mean, you know, some people argue, well, you know, personalities, some people have, you know, grumbling personalities, and it's like, well, I don't really believe that. I, I think giving thanks and giving praise has to become practice routine within our lives, that when we enter into His presence, when we come before Him, we are saying, Lord, I thank You. And you might be wondering, I, I don't even know what to be thankful for. Go back to Psalm 95. He says, look around. Walk outside. Look at the trees. Look at the oceans. Or for us, superior. And declare who He is. He is great. We have to make this a discipline within our prayer life. Because this warning, God's people will not enter His rest back then. Find somebody who grumbles a lot, you're not going to be seeing peace and rest within their lives. You just simply don't. Grumblers are, are never happy. <laughs> they never are. But guys, we as a church, we as God's people, we have something to be joyful about each and every day. We do. We have, we have so many things to be thankful for. For crying out loud, the most basic Christian teaching that God sent His only Son to the cross for us. I mean, we, we can rejoice forever in that one fact that our sins are forgiven. Not because of us, but, be, but because of Him. And I just, I just challenge us this Sunday, church family, to become people that come into His presence, that come into it with thanks, and to take this warning seriously. Lord, I, I don't want a hardened heart. I don't want to be a grumbler. Lord, I want to come into Your presence giving thanks, giving praise, giving honor to You in all times. Yes, difficulties do come. Death happens. Life falls apart. There's so many, there's so many hardships, church family, but the psalmist says something here that I, I kind of want to jump back to real quick. Boyne, jump back to, to verse 7. I want to end it with this. For, her, for He is our God. And we are the people of His pasture. And the sheep of His hand. We are His people, church family. We are His. We can come into His presence knowing that we are His and be thankful and be grateful and to give praise and to declare it in song on Sundays and in prayers on Mondays. I'm going to ask for you to stand and I want to pray for us this morning. I'm going to invite the worship team up. As they come, I want to read 1 Thessalonians 5 for us this morning. God's Word says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Verse 19, Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Father, we come to you this morning, Lord. 
Father, soften our hearts. Lord, Lord, help us to be a people of thanks and praise to You. Lord, Lord, help us each and every day to wake up grateful to be in Your presence. Lord, I thank You that Your Word also says that You are close to the brokenhearted. Lord, when You see Your people suffering, You are near. Father, help us just to recognize that presence, Your presence within our lives. Lord, help us just to give thanks and praise to You each and every day. Lord, as we sing, as we declare, minister to our hearts and minds this morning. I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.